Welcome to Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a video cast, a podcast, an audiobook, hell, even if you need a studio built, Sweet Recording is a place for you. Joe Gangemi, he not only knows his stuff, but he's a great guy and he's honest. So check them out on their website, Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com, or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. Also, if you want to be a sponsor of the Coop Tank, hit me up at the Coop Tank at yahoo.com. The people who listen to this show, they're business leaders, they're shakers and movers. And if they like your product and they like you, they're going to pass the word on. And I like my group of people today. So that's what we're going to say. I have a younger panel today. I usually get, you know, people, well, no one's my age anymore. I'm like the oldest person in the room, but they're all young, successful people. And what I like about them is they all had an idea. They created something, they worked their asses off, and they're doing well. Because too many times I run into people who are just full of shit, and they sit there and they tell you they're successful, and they aren't. But I know these people are successful, as they wouldn't be on my show. And the first person is from TCS, New Jersey, of Keller Williams, and the founder of the Harvest Performance Coaching Communities is Devin Denofa. How you doing, Devin? This is an honor, Steve. I feel like, one, you need to literally have your own radio show nationally because this is this is a gift that you have that I've been able and have the opportunity to watch you do, man. So, Well, thank you, man. Thank what you for having me on. Thank you. And then we have a gentleman who, I swear, during the pandemic, I saw this guy like every day, like three times at networking events from Opportunities to Serve. It's Tyrone Robinson. How you doing, Tyrone? I'm doing good, Steve. Thanks for having me. All right. And finally, we have from Ryan Reviews, Chelsea Craig. How you doing, Chelsea? Hey, Steve. I'm excited to be here to talk with you as well. So we're going to start off, just tell the people, you know, 45 seconds to a minute, what you do, what your company is about, and we'll start with you, Devin. All right. So my real estate company is TCS Group, New Jersey. We're a residential real estate company. We do service Philadelphia and in South Jersey with investing, regular sales, all that good stuff. And then uh, my, my passion, my gift is performance coaching. So I have a company called the Harvest Performance Coaching Communities, and that's just a community of growth-minded entrepreneurs. And we focus on personal and uh, professional growth. I bring in high-level guest speakers every other month throughout the world to come in and speak on topics that can elevate entrepreneurs, not just personally, but professionally, and then have them immersed in the community of peers to hold each other accountable, to grow with each other, to collaborate and help each other. That's awesome, man. And how about you, uh, Tyrone? I'm Tyrone Robinson, and I'm the owner of Opportunities to Serve. For the past decade, my company has helped fix, save, scale, and grow businesses, primarily through fractional operation services, as well as business IT and artificial intelligence consulting and advisory services. And you, Chelsea? Thank you. Um, I'm Chelsea Craig. My company is Rhino Reviews. Um, we've been working for about five years. We help businesses with their online reputation and kind of all things reviews. Um, our unique advantages, we offer a fully done for you service. And we're the only one on the market that not only focuses on the external, which is like your, your customers, everyone thinks Google, Yelp, Facebook, um, but we also help with internal branding, Glassdoor, Indeed, um, and kind of your, your full online digital presence. Okay, well, you know, I want to ask you, because you're all in different areas, and you all just said you've all created something. You all, you all have gotten out there and started running. Let's say I'm meeting with you, okay, and there's, you're trying to get my business. You want me as a client, and you know that I'm looking at five other companies, okay, because that happens now. What 
What do you do to pitch yourself and say, this is what makes me different? Well, start with you, Chelsea. I mean, what do you sit there and say, what do you, how do you sway me to get your business? Oh, that's a fabulous question. I think um, for us, our difference is I'm, I have a more relaxed sales process. I sell how I like to be sold to. I don't like the pushy. I don't want the aggressive sales kind of process. And then a lot of the times our, our questions involve asking you're talking to us. You clearly haven't heard everything. You know, you haven't heard everything that you want from your competitors. So what are you missing? What have you, um, what else are you looking for? Um, and then again, kind of in our space, um, we typically do. There's about four competitors that we run up against on almost every proposal. And I've gone through their sales process. I reached out to them as if I was a client and went through the process to understand what do they offer, how do they sell, what's their pricing, and then how do we kind of combat that or go again, go be different than that in, in our own pitch. Okay, and how about you, Devin? What, what do you do? So I found this uh, creative strategy to where I typically show up to appointments with uh, some guys that are around 6'5", uh, typically big muscular, and we kind of force people just to sign up with us. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, but yeah, so ideally when I meet with people, ultimately it's trying to find out what they truly care about. You know what I mean? And like, what are their pain points? What matters to them? And then kind of reverse engineer. And typically the biggest flex we have to get appointments is our track record or to get clients is our track record. You know what I mean? So what is it that you're concerned about? Well, this is a proven track record that we can solve that problem at a very high level. Now that's just in real estate for performance coaching. Obviously, you know, it's, you know, the bottom line is this, what, what are you holding back on that you consistently, your subconscious consistently tells you that you want to do, that you want to be, how you want to feel, right? And then uh, again, it goes back to track record. So I can, you know, one other thing that I do is I offer free calls too, right? And, you know, one thing that I've learned is when you can educate, when you can educate your clients or your potential prospects more than people do that hire, that they hire, Right. When you can educate them and they can feel what it's like to work with you before they even do, you typically have a really good chance at winning their business. So educate, inform, understand their pain points and show track record, ideally through testimonials, rev uh, reviews, all that good stuff. All right. How about you, Tyrone? Uh, expressing differentiators. So uh, there's probably four ways you can come into our business uh, on the outsourced or fractional operations uh, the differentiator there is just commitment in terms of having an extra executive on your team that's going to care about your business as much as you do and it's going to be literally available 24 7 if necessary around the clock to be able to support your goals and objectives um, when it comes to IT, we specialize in vendor selection. And that means we help companies get into best fit solutions. We have more than 400 partners in the industry. We have an intellectual property that helps us navigate the industry. We also have a number of other portfolios and tools that help us get everything right every time. Um, in addition to that, we have a couple hundred engineers, architects, and data analytics people that support our business. So when it comes to getting things right, everybody enjoys that. However, we're able to cut out 90 to 95% of the decision-making process when it comes to IT. Um, in regards to artificial intelligence, uh, the biggest differentiator we offer is a suite of services and products, if you will. Um, however, 
we're focused on AI-driven productivity. So, so literally erasing um, all of your barriers, your pain points, as much as possible um, using AI and really benefiting customers through education and through uh, what I'm calling a generative AI playground, which allows us to test uh, iteratively before implementation so we get things right. Um, and then if you come into us through websites, uh, which I don't necessarily market, but we do get a lot of business that way, um, our differentiator is you're going to get your website done within five to seven days. Um, there's certainly not even going to be a need for revision, but if you want one, we're happy to do that. Okay. Now you're all doing your own thing, which is, you know, I always respect that. And you know, you're, you're young and you're out there and you're making it happen. A lot of people will go through different things and they sit there. They never, they never start their dream. They push it off. What made you, each of you go out on your own? Because at this point in your life, you know, now Devin, you're a family man. We'll start with you. You know, it's scary for you to go out. You, you have two or three kids and I see them. They're adorable kids, but what made you sit there and say, okay, I'm going to just go for it. Yeah, um, you know, especially when you have kids, you want to you want to be the example of what you preach to your kids, right? So how many parents say, hey, go chase your dreams, right? Don't settle for anything that doesn't make you happy, like all these different things. And I always wanted to live the example and have my kids when they get older, say everything that my dad said he wanted to do that he dreamed of, he went out there and did. And also the one thing, you know, that I I we had an in-depth conversation with this in one of my groups and it's also sharing with your kids, your failure failures too. So they're not afraid to fail and they don't look as failure as I failed my test. I'm a loser. Right. And if they're afraid of failure, they're never going to go after any of their goals or dreams. And we all know in order to get to where each and every single one of you got, you failed something, <laughs> you know what I mean? That wasn't just everything wasn't smooth. You had to redirect, repivot, something didn't work. So you had to figure out a new way. So leading my, my kids by example, but also the cost of inaction, man, it's just like, you know, I am heavily invested financially and mentally and uh, in personal development, you know what I mean? And I know that there is much higher, even where I'm at now, there is much higher levels that God has for me to go after, you know what I mean? And I never wanted to leave this world in regret. Like, could I have done more, right? Could I have, could I have helped more people? Like, what if I did that? Like, I just don't want to live like that. Cost of inaction, right, is, is very important to me. And, you know, and it just happened to be that once you start like having small visions and attacking them and getting them, right? Whether it's, you know, some of you right now on this call, like there was a time maybe 10 years ago or however many years ago where you were wishing that you got to the spot that you got to now, right? And it's like, man, if I could achieve that, what happens if I think bigger, right? right how many right. more people can I help? What, what life could I live? What legacy could I live? Not just for my family, but for my kids' kids' kids. So cost of inaction, going after my dreams. And if you're not growing, you're dying. You know what I mean? It's like, so that's, I can talk about this for hours. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's always well. good points. I mean, yeah, you're right. You have to work on it. But how about you, Tyrone? What made you go out on your own? Just a matter of opportunity. When I, I wrote out a five-year plan when I was 25, um, with a lot of action in terms of what I was focused on back then, I was a therapist. Uh, I was recognized in the top 1% of all people in the country who did what I did. Uh, and obviously that's by the numbers we were measured and funded by. However, um, 
being able to be recognized as such allowed me to just create under that umbrella that I was in at that point. Um, and then people just started to recognize my efforts. Um, many of them understood that I was building uh, things in the community, um, really because they needed to be done and not because I was being paid to do it, right? So um, very long story short, um, my action was met by opportunity and planning um, and everything that I wrote out on the pages um, I was actually able to skip a couple steps, to be honest, and um, I was able to complete that five-year goal within three. And so I just had to uh, figure out what the next seven years looked like. Um, but ultimately, like I said, it was just a matter of opportunity, um, doing things because I know they should be done, trying to help as many people as I can. And then again, just having a plan and an idea of where I wanted to go beyond uh, I guess the ceiling I was hitting in mental health. And um, like I said, I knew what to ask for. I knew what it looked like. I knew what it sounded like. So when the opportunity was presented, I knew how to go with it. Um, but I also understood how to maximize it in terms of what are my next steps? What are my goals? What are my objectives beyond this starting point? So how, about, how about you, Chelsea? Oh, goodness. Um, so after the two of you sharing your like well thought out, planned, um, strategic process, the only word that comes to mind to describe my um, entrance to entrepreneurship is sheer chaos. Um, I used to work in corporate. My first and, and only job was out of college. I worked for Frito-Lay PepsiCo and loved it. But just, I mean, as many people I think can understand, like it's, a, it was a grind. Um, I was working a lot and it didn't allow me the freedom, the flexibility, um, the uncapped income potential, just all of the challenges with that role. And after about two years, I remember I went home to my parents for for the, for Christmas um, and I was miserable. I didn't want to go back to work and I was just literally getting ready to leave the next morning and I started crying and my dad said, just quit, you'll figure it out. Um, so literally I went back to work the next day, put in my, I gave him two months, put in my two months notice um, and gave myself three months from what I had saved up to figure something out. And I think when you're at a certain age too, you have an ignorance a little bit, you're naive there. You don't know any better. Um, so I launched the company, saw this need and um, I didn't know that you couldn't just, it didn't occur to me that it was not the norm to just walk into businesses and start talking to managers and try and pitch the marketing director. I did a lot of things. I, you know, I used to bring brownies. I would walk up and down the streets in Philly, bring brownies to try and bribe business owners to talk with me for 10 minutes. Um, and there's just a hustle and a grind, especially kind of like that sink or swim. I didn't have another choice. I had to make it work. Um, I had savings that were dwindling and ended up kind of pivoting the business a couple of times into what it is now. Um, so I think Tyrone a little bit with the opportunity, but just the desire for something different, the desire that I knew I wasn't doing what I needed to do or what I wanted to do, um, that long-term, that kind of structure and that career wasn't going to match how I wanted my life to look and figure out a way to make that happen. Now, now you, as I said earlier, you guys are all doing well and you, you've created something. And as you said, Chelsea, you were sitting there, you're wearing that your money was going to run out and it's, it, you go through that. And what happens is when you create your own business, you know, everybody goes through uncertainty. I don't care who you are. Athletes do it. Anyone, you know, you go through. When I did comedy, I remember I 
bombed after Chappelle opened for me. Chappelle opened for me. That's how long ago it was. And then the next night, I destroyed. But I, that night show, I still had that uncertainty. And we all have uncertainty when we do things creatively or we start something. How do you deal with uncertainty? Because anyone who starts their business is going to wake up in the middle of the night and they're going to be have like, holy crap, how am I going to pay my bills? I don't care how much money you have. You always think long-term. That's why you guys are all successful. You think long-term. But how do you deal with the uncertainty when your mind goes into that focus? How do you snap out of it? And start with you, Tyrone. Uh, I read a lot, as you know. So uh, for any season that I'm in currently, I just pick up books to be able to gain uh, and learn from other people's insight, feedback, experiences. Um, most of the time, many of the words are similar. Many of the stories uh, and sentiments are similar. However, I just find it comforting, not necessarily to know that other people have been there as much, but I just find it comforting that you always have a source of information to be able to tap into and develop yourself from. So I'm just big on development. As you know, you, you brought up uh, the quarantine times. I was reading eight books a month, right? So obviously there was a lot of uncertainty there. Certainly all of my book uh, choices weren't about uncertainty during pandemics, right? But, uh, you know, every season that I had during that period, and even now, like I said, I support just through reading. Um, it really does help me uh, get back to, I guess, focus, right? Focus on what's important, what's present, what's true, um, and get rid of all the other pieces that might be holding me down. Okay, and how about you, Chelsea? Because as you, you're newer to your business, so you're probably still going through them. How do you deal with it? Yeah, so we're five years in. Um, actually, in two weeks, it'll be starting year six, which is exciting. Um, it's interesting. I The first thing that came to me was just support systems and network. Um, I think being an entrepreneur, so we now have a team, but my first two years, it was just me. And even though you're a solopreneur, I found that there's such an incredible support system out there. Like People are so kind. Other entrepreneurs are so supportive. And kind of leaning on that, um, leaning on other people that have been there um, to kind of motivate you through that. But also in the same breath, the uncertainty, it's also kind of managing it. It's letting it not control you, but inspire you a little bit. Because I do think that with that uncertainty comes the drive and that motivation to like, look, we've got to keep figuring it out. I never want to be comfortable. I mean, uh, Devin, as you said, like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think if you don't have that uncertainty, you're almost too comfortable. Um, so don't let it control your actions and thoughts, you know, in a bad or a good way. Um, but, uh, I also kind of like the uncertainty a little bit different. I think that's a different answer than you were looking for, but that's no, kind no, of where no, my brain's at right now. When you have that, the uncertainty does still keep you hungry. I want to hear what you say, Devin, because you speak on this a lot. And, you know, you you have two businesses, and I'm sure there's times, and I've heard your story before where, you know, you had jobs, but you started this, and you've worked your ass off. But what do you do when you, and you still probably go through it, what do you do when you have a moment of uncertainty? How do you try to snap yourself out of it? So, um, one, it's, it's all about how you look at things now. A long time ago, um, a long time ago, before I was all in on personal development, you know, it was like, if I didn't know something, I, you know, fear, you became afraid, you almost, you know, uh, retreat, right? You're, you're, uh, what is called the, the fight and flight, you go in flight mode, not fight mode. 
Um, but now the way just I've seen my life and the way I've worked on personal development and change habits, rituals, mindset up, you know, leveled up my faith. Um, it's just when there's uncertainty now, the way I look at it is up, there's, there's going to be something that I'm going to learn now, right? There's, you know, most times anything great that was ever done, somebody went through the unknown, right? And I always bet on myself because it's never a lack of resources. It's always a lack of resourcefulness. So I always knew, like I, I purchased a farm, but like, I'm still trying to figure it out. My main thing that I wanted to use this farm for was weddings and events. And it turns out I won't be able to do that. Right. So now I'm pivoting and I'm learning all these other ways. And I believe that God has a plan for that. And he's going to make it unfold the way that his plan was not my plan. So it's, it's really changing the way you look at things. And when there is uncertainty, that means there's about to be a breakthrough or that means you're going to learn something. You're going to solve a problem. Um, that means there's going to be growth. Um, and the other thing is whenever I feel uncertain, man, I just hit my physical, like in performance coaching, the number one thing you can do to get your mind elevated is exercise, right? And that is habits, rituals, and routines every morning, man. You know, I go to the gym early in the morning, you know, sometimes not super early because I just got a, a puppy now and with three kids, like the puppy kept me up the last two days, we just got them. But for the most part, I had to go to gym a little bit later, you know, like eight o'clock, something like that. But the reason why I share this is there's tough seasons in my life. And, and um, you know, my physical, my fitness is my foundation, right? So if I can stay mentally strong, if I can continue to maintain my mindset, my body, my physical, I will be able to perform at a much higher level, think way better, be more inspired to handle any problem that comes my way. So making sure that I work on my mental and physical fitness every day that really helps me be, you know, indestructible, no matter what happens. All right. Now, here's something, because I said earlier, you're all younger. And, you know, I've always learned, I can learn every day. And I like when you said, Devin, you can learn every day. I've done over a thousand interviews, but every day I learn. When I started mm. doing roundtable, this is only my eighth of doing roundtables. But I learned, and I sat there, and I took time, and I learned. And a lot of people... Older, as we get older, I'm an older guy, we can learn from young people. And a lot of times people don't sit there. Older people don't have that mindset. They they sit there and they think, oh, what, what's, you know, what's, you know, get off my lawn. What are they going to teach me? What can you teach someone who is over 50, who is a little, a little, you know, stale in their business matters and then, you know, get the invigoration, you guys, what can you teach someone older, Chelsea, what could you impart some knowledge from a younger person to an older person who usually is stubborn and closed minded because a lot of older people don't want to change their ways? What insight could you give them? It's a tough question. Um, an interesting one too. I'm trying to think about just conversations that I've had with individuals where there's been moments of frustration. Um, the biggest thing that to me that comes to mind um, recently is kind of like the net, a networking strategy. I feel sometimes when I talk to people, it's a lot of pushing what they do, not kind of like who they are, make that personal connection. Um, as people buy from people that they like. I mean, Tegron, I love that you you talked about like getting to know your differentiators, but also like who you guys are. Um, I think networking as, as a person, not a business um, is a valuable one. That makes sense. And you know, we're going to get into that a little bit later about the networking. But, but how about you, Devin? What, what as a younger guy, can you teach someone who's older? Let's say, you know, as someone who's not as hip as me, because no one's as hip as me. But if, if someone right. is not as hip as me, what can you what can you teach them, Devin? Um, I can teach a lot of them that they are not past their prime. So many older people I speak to think, oh, you know, that was the past or, you know, if I could do it again, all these limiting beliefs, I can tell them there's another version of themselves 
that they haven't met yet that they can grow to that would energize them more than they were energized when they were 30 years old, right? And continue to build even more of a legacy. And I can also teach them how to build influence with leveraging their age and their experience because a lot of the older folks don't still don't understand the power of being visible through all the social media platforms and how many more people that they can inspire and motivate to want to join them want to be within their organization right to make it so much easier to hire when people actually learn about the person and are inspired by the person who actually owns the company not the logo that they hide behind right i can make them grow their company a lot easier i can make them build their influence and leadership a lot easier leveraging the the new ways of of technology now that a lot of them are still ignorant to learn um but most importantly i can definitely teach them that their life is not over they're not past their prime and there's a whole heroic version of themselves that they can access if they have the courage to do it how about you tyrone you're going to teach me to play some music because I know if you don't know, Tyrone has like produces a, a shitload of music. He's, he's more than what he does. He, but we'll talk about that another time with his music. But what can you what can you impart on someone who's older and stubborn and, and they, they just see it in their own glasses? I guess I can teach or model how to be cool, quote unquote, in terms of temperament in your business. Um, I think a lot of the judgmental, maybe bias or fear-based um, positions that you may be describing from an older generation um, have a lot of merit, for sure. You can't discount people's experiences. However, when people work with me or kind of see me or meet me, they always remark about kind of how cool and consistent I am. And it's pretty much 100% of the time you kind of get what you see right now. Um, I think a lot of people admire that just being able to stay consistent, one, but be manageable in any kind of situation, either good or bad, still being able to uh, be who you are and not get outside of yourself. And I think, um, that's something that I'm certainly good at, uh, but it certainly requires a lot of work. And like I said, reading for me is kind of what emphasizes those things. However, uh, it's really important for me to be able to stay within my, not necessarily comfort zone as much as it is, uh, I guess, zone of professionalism, if you will. Okay, now here's a question. And I always ask my guests this question because it's something that bothers me. I met you all through networking and uh, we networked and, and stuff like that. And what I've learned when we went back to live, it wasn't as much when we were during the pandemic because people really had to prove themselves, but, but there's a lot of clicks. Okay. And there's nothing more that pisses me off about clicks. And I try to tell people there's a difference between clicks and groups like Devin, your harvest harvest is a group. I was at an event the other day, Tyler Ardron's event, and there was a bunch of Harvest guys, okay? They weren't clicky. They were out mingling. They all, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see the clicks, you go to an event, and there's just these five assholes sitting in the corner who think they're amazing when they're not getting any business because they're only dealing with each other. You know, you always see them in the same picture. You go, well, how are you getting business? What do you, what do you think about clicks? I mean, do they irritate you? Or maybe it's just me. And why do you think people become clickish. I'm going to start with you, Devin, because you've built a group of supportive guys, which is totally anti-click, when in actuality, your group could be a click, but it's not. Because what I, what I think is 
people don't under like the reason why people have clicks is because they don't understand how to network and they have a fear to meet new people. Right. So naturally their comfort zone is all right, I'm gonna go in here, let me get to somebody that I know, right? That's comfortable for me, right? And people don't understand how to truly network. And, you know, when I go to networking events, I, you know, I'll say hi to people that I know, you know, I'll say hi to you, but like, ideally I'm trying to find somebody that I never met. You know what I mean? And if there's somebody that I know that I haven't seen face to face in a while, you know, then yes, I'm going to go. And that's an opportunity to just continue to, to add more value to that relationship. However, I can maybe give an intro to somebody else that's there, but I do think the people that are in clicks, you know, maybe, and, and I would just think this, maybe they just don't understand truly how to network. And there's a fear to go and have conversations with people that they haven't met yet. Not necessarily they're too cool to speak with other people and they just want to stay within their, you know, like my guys in the harvest. I mean, we, we speak on this, we, we coach on this. We have conversations on this all the time about how to truly network and how to meet people and how you make people feel and stuff like that. And you know, uh, it, there is some to where people just maybe they do want to be clickish, but they don't understand networking. And there's probably some fear of people to be uncomfortable speaking with people that they don't know yet. Okay. How about you, Tyrone? Because you're you're a cool guy. I, I met you for the first time at PJ Wheelands, which I'd never met you. I we had been online a bunch of times. But what what do you what what's your what's your thing about clicks? I don't really have one. I'm probably a click of one most of the time. I'm not really um, super networky, if you will. Um, however, I can get it done, but it's just not my preference. Um, and I do find comfort in meeting up with people that I already know. It's certainly not out of fear, but it's it's a comfort thing. Um, even at PJs, right? As soon as we see each other, we're able to just walk right up to each other. So I enjoy that part. Um, again, I don't mind meeting new people, but I do enjoy just knowing some people and being able to catch up with those people that I know. Um, I there, 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 there is a difference between knowing people and being a click. Okay. And that's the thing. I like, and that's, that. I That's what that. irritates me. I mean, it doesn't irritate me, but I, I think it's not high school. How about you, Chelsea? You know, you, I mean, what do you do when you go to an event? And you Just say it pisses you off, Steve. Say it really pisses me off. Well, I do. I, it does pisses me off. But, but, you know, I already said shit a few times. So I'm, I uh, feel uh, it, so, yeah. Chelsea, no, so what, what's your take? Yeah, when you said high school, that was it. I went, like, you know, walking into the uh, the quintessential, like, walking into the lunchroom. And you don't have anyone to sit. No one makes eye contact with you. That's what, like, visually what I picture when I hear clicks. Um, I agree with Devin and, and Tamron both. To me, I think when people form clicks, it's a comfort. It's almost a fear. And they are nervous that they're not going to have someone to talk to or they're nervous that the conversation will be awkward. And they might not even be aware of that, that nerve or fear. Um, and especially clicks in, like, a networking group where... And what I think you're saying with, with the negative association with it is people that at a networking event group up and then aren't open to other people joining the conversation. Because it's it's super fun to walk up to a cocktail table with multiple people there. If they're welcoming in the conversation, it's great. You know, it's a little less intimidating for everyone than kind of like a one-on-one, -on -one very focused interaction. Um, but yeah, it's it's not understanding what the purpose of networking is. It's maybe not going in with you don't want a goal, but like the intent, why are you there? Um, and to me, when I look at it, like my time is the most valuable thing. So if I'm giving, you know, an hour or two hours at this networking event, 
what is my purpose? Like I'm going there for a reason. If I want to hang out with my friends, that's great. And that's different, but that's not what a networking event is. I'm there to meet people. You know, if I know them, have a deeper conversation, if I've never met them, have the opportunity for a conversation. Um, but the way you're describing it is rude. And that, that makes me, yeah, I would be absolutely frustrated if I were to walk in and, you know, people aren't open to me coming over and saying, hi, you know, tell me more about yourself or something like that. We're going to keep on networking. We're, we're going to talk about networking etiquette. Okay. And I'm going to get someone, what pisses, Devin pisses each of you off. There you go. Uh, one thing that bothers me, and I think this is when I go somewhere and if let's say I'm at an event and it's me and I'm talking to you, Chelsea, and then Devin walks up. Okay. If you know Devin and you don't introduce me, that pisses me off. Like I always, I'm an introducer. I always learned my parents always said, always introduce. Sometimes I'm an over-introducer. I'd be at bars drunk. Hey, hey me, my father, we met him last week, Steve. All right, no problem. What is an etiquette part of networking that you think people need to learn? Because as I said, people need to introduce people. And you also have to look at people in the eye. That's the two things that my parents always taught me. But Tyrone, what is what is an etiquette thing when you're doing an introduction or just a networking that you think people aren't doing, and it can be in business overall that you think they should be doing? Um, I guess reciprocating, like coming into the conversation, uh, understanding that it's a give and take in a relationship just like any other relationship. So it's not that you're expecting to get something out of it, but I believe both people should be meeting in the middle, right? Seeing how we can benefit each other certainly doesn't need to be a probe. I actually really don't enjoy being probed and feeling like I'm being interviewed in networking. And it quite honestly is one of the reasons I don't network that much is because I think sometimes people get so interested in what you do for any reason under the sun. And then it feels like you're in an interrogation so I think that's poor etiquette too, not to recognize that you're not actually having a conversation. You're probing somebody for 20, 30 minutes and it's like really uncomfortable for a lot of people. I mean, so I think that's like a twofold thing, but it really just is about mindset, like being aware of what the expectations are from a networking connection and then how not to botch that even if you are interested in their business or how they started or whatever it might be you still want to be able to have that healthy uh exchange so both people are getting something out of it how about you chelsea um mine are kind of two I, I have two like just things that really irk me when I think back on like networking events gone wrong. Um, sometimes when people don't listen, like you can tell someone is they'll ask you a question, you answer it and you can tell they're just planning their next question to ask you. I could say, yeah, my company is jambalaya makes us and we make special soup and they, they would just have no, they're not actually listening. Say that one more thing. time. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first thing that came to mind. I don't know where my brain's at, but um, unless you're, maybe jambalaya soup is a good business. I should start that one. Um, but like they, they're not actually listening for me because they just want to tell me what they do and how, how, you know, they can either help me in my business. I mean, for example, I've had people pitch like these massive HR policies when we're a company of four people and it, it we're, you know, we're so far from the right fit and they just missed every cue that I told them that, um, the other thing that I've had happen a couple of times is individuals just 
I feel, you know, they come over, they talk to me for five minutes. They want a business card, me hand me their business card, get mine. And then I've literally multiple, a couple of days after the networking event, received emails from that person connecting me to someone who they don't know what I do. This person that they're connecting me doesn't. And now I'm expected to take this call. I get on this blind call and it's someone trying to pitch me and they've used me as, you know, some type of like referral that they needed to give to someone else. And again, it's just that like over, uh, over eager, um, desire to kind of like push what you do and, and sell before we've even got a relationship or that trust built. How about you, Devin? Cause I know you do a lot of networking. You're always out. I see you around. You're a man about town. What, what is some etiquette that you could teach people? Um, the one thing that I, that I thoroughly do not enjoy is when somebody is in a conversation with you and they're not looking at you and you can tell they're like looking around. It's like, what do you, you know, I almost just want to leave the conversation, but real quick, sorry to interrupt you, but I have a lazy eye. So if you're, no, no. To me, it's not me. So <laughs> no, but to your point, like looking the person in the eye, but you know, there's been times, you know, when you're having a conversation, especially, you know, when I first started networking, you know, I was, I was young. I still am young. Like when some of the rooms that I'm in and, you know, some of the older guys, you know, they can easily look over. Yeah. You know, what's this guy going to do for my company or whatever. And, and they'll have a little conversation with you. And then you can tell that they're looking over your shoulder or looking to the side. It's that's just terrible. You know what I mean? Um, so that's etiquette that I would highly suggest not to do. Um, one of my uh, coaches and mentors, Dave Melcher says, be more interested than interesting. Right. And one thing that I would, if I could ever give somebody advice on networking is invest time into reading the book, how to win friends and influence people. And it's not about you. It's always about other people. So when somebody's new in network and I'm like, dude, listen, don't stress out. All you got to do is ask about them, ask about their family, where are they from, where they live. Of course, naturally they're going to ask about you. But as long as you can genuinely show somebody that you're truly interested in them, right? Um, you know, nobody, everybody likes to talk, you know what I mean? Everybody likes to talk about themselves, you know what I mean? But I think that that is a really good way for beginner networking, man. Just, it's not about you, it's about them, right? And then, um, and like Chelsea said, it's like, understand exactly what they do like truly you know and, and if you invest that care into people one they know and two networking is a long-term deal it's not you know it's not speed dating and if you look at it as speed dating you'll never win business you know people will understand that they'll sniff it out right away and you will not build a relationship so that's that's a good point okay i have one final question and i always ask this at the end of the show because I always like the different answers and I, it, it always, it gives an insight. Someone comes up to you. Okay. They're just getting out of, I don't know, maybe trade school, college. They, you know, they may just go in straight from high school, want to start something. And they, they see you and they, they respect you and they think, okay, they're, they're doing something right. You know, these people are, have their own businesses. They're out there making things happen. What advice do you give for that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed person who comes out like, hey, I'm going to take the world on fire, which is a great attitude to have. But as again, sometimes you get smacked down. But what advice would you give them? I mean, what 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 is some advice that you would give them that you actually, and a second well, second part of it, that you wish people gave you the advice? We'll, we'll start with you, Chelsea. You're going to start with me. I was trying to think it through. Um, kind of actually touching on what Devin said, I think one of the best phrases that, that my coach told me is be... Um, 
be intelligently curious um, in all areas, in people that you meet and what you explore in your business. And I use the word intelligent, when the phrase is use intelligent before that, because be smart, you know, ask the right questions, but always be curious because that means that you're always looking for the next answer. You don't ever think you know everything. Um, be ready to, you know, your whether it's your business, your network, your friends, your clients. Um, you can learn so much by being interested in your clients, asking them questions. You hear different things. Um, and advice that I wish I knew. Um, I, I think the curiosity, when I think back on like mistakes that I made in my business or different pain points, um, they were probably all caused because I didn't ask enough questions. I researched it a certain amount. I assumed that I had it figured out and I went from there. Um, and uh, a little bit, don't be afraid. The other piece of advice is don't be afraid to kind of like throw the book out the window, um, especially when it comes to your own business. We've, I delayed our growth for a period of time. Um, because I refused to make the pivots and make some big changes that needed to happen in our business. Cause that was our, it was our core product and our core offerings. And had I, I was tied into this, like, but this is it. This is what we do. This is why we do it. And I was scared to make those changes. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, why didn't you make those so much faster? But it, it can be challenging and scary to do that. Um, but yeah, be ready to throw the book out the window. How about you? How about you, Devin? Um, the biggest uh, hack, um, to me is, well, one, if, if I was, if I was younger, um, the first thing I would do is I would have told myself, you need to start getting more serious about your faith. Um, and the second thing is, um, is the, the superpower, the biggest hack to life on how to turn decades into days by investing either time or financially in mentorship or coaching, find somebody that sits in a position that you want to be at, hire them, pay to be in their world, invest time, work for them for free, whatever it is. And it is the biggest hack to life to turn decades into days and blow, blow the doors off of anybody else. If you're, you know, and by the way, like Chelsea said, it's like, you know, you'll find out quickly if it's not for you. But curiosity, that's another, uh, I don't know, maybe four months ago, I saw a video on Instagram. And it was like, uh, somebody talking about a billionaire's advice about always being curious, like what makes people so successful is they're never know it alls they're always curious, right. And some of my coaches and mentors, like they always have that white ball mentality, they're always investing in the masterminds, they're always investing to be coached and taught because there's always more to learn. And I see everybody walking around who think that they know it all, their ego is so big, they don't want to ask for help. They don't want to invest any money into coach, anything like that. It's so common. And I'm like, man, if you just get your ego out of the way, you could be so far way fast, you know, and that would, to me, if I was to learn that when I was, and I've implemented that, like if I found somebody successful, I would ask to pay and buy them lunch or whatever. Like that was just because I didn't grow up with people who made six figures, you know, none of that stuff. Um, if I would have did that earlier, I would have did it earlier and at a much higher level and possibly like worked for somebody for free. That was at a much higher level. And now people have access to literally the biggest influencers and the most successful people on the planet with Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all that stuff. How about you, Tyrone? I guess it would just be uh I guess 
be empathetic uh, to yourself, right? I think more often than not, you create these expectations that aren't data-driven, certainly, uh, when you're starting out. Um, even when you're still kind of continuing sometimes, I feel like creating an expectation that you may or may not adequately be aligned with is just setting yourself up for potential failure when it just comes to how you're thinking about your business and what you're doing. I would just say continue to adjust your expectations, right? Create maybe smaller goals that are uh, more attainable that you can see down the street versus around the corner. Um, and that'll be helpful towards just not getting off your own ship at some point. You know, some say being three feet from goal and just giving up, right? So I think everything is really geared toward expectation. If you can really just stay present, give yourself some things that are snackable, quote unquote, to be able to accomplish and achieve and just build from that and certainly build a roadmap. But again, be open to adjusting um, to Chelsea's point and be open to learning some new things to Devin's point, um, certainly from other people, from books, from my point, right? Just combining all of those different pieces and just, again, I guess to my earlier point, remaining cool, right? Um, temperament wise, um, because I just think when you're able to see things and you're able to be focused and, and calm, you're not being erratic. Obviously, it's the difference, right? Um, and I think erratic thinking a lot of the times makes people invest in bad solutions or investments um, or just take drastic roads that they never really had to travel, right? They, they get down that road and say, why did I leave this one? Um, so I just think it's just about your expectations, uh, and just being okay with where you are. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I want to thank you all for coming out. And people, you know, reach out to the younger people. They have a lot. You heard them. They're intelligent. They know what's going on. Now, how can people get in touch with you? Chelsea, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, so either definitely through LinkedIn or just our company website, um, writerreviews.com. Um, and it's Chelsea Craig. Chelsea Craig. <laughs> how about you, Devin? How can they get in touch with you? Um, I mean, uh, on every platform, my name is just Devin Denofa. You'll see me there every single day. I'm a loser on social media. I'm just there. Bang, bang, bang. You can't miss me on there. But for the most part, Devin Denofa, devindenofa.com to learn more about me, the community, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Devin Denofa. How about you, Tyrone? Leave. Uh, my name on LinkedIn is Tyrone Martin Robinson the third. Um, but I'm sure throwing everybody off. I was about to search. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to find me. Maybe if you just typed in Tyrone M Robinson, however you might do it. Um, other than that, the website is www.opp2s.com or www.opportunities the number two serve.com. Um, those are the two easiest ways to find me. Well, that's awesome. I, you know, I want to thank I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, thank you people for listening. Remember, uh, you can find all the roundtables at on YouTube. Uh, just look up the Coop Tank. You can go to the website, uh, thecooptank.podbean.com or Stitcher. I mean, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, and you can hear them all the audio versions and the old ones. Also, 
Go to SweetRecording.com. Joe Gangemi will hook you up. He's a great producer. That's why he produces my show. If you need to be coached about interviewing, you can in email me at thecooptank at yahoo.com, where you can also hit me up about sponsoring. So remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I want to thank you all, and I'll talk to you next time.